How's it going, everybody, and welcome to episode number 96 of Master My Garden Podcast. Now, this week's episode is a solo episode, and I'm talking just about some, I suppose, jobs that we can be doing at this time of the year. It's um, it's a funny time of the year because actually when the you know the evenings start to get a bit darker and uh, I guess it gets a little bit colder, like we've had three frosts this week, um, particularly last night, heavy frost last night, two sort of lightish frost last week uh, during the day during the week last week but last night here quite a heavy frost and that's the first one that has has been kind of white and crunchy on the ground so to speak but it's at this time of the year that people don't you're not really in the mood for gardening you're not really in the mood for getting jobs done and in truth there isn't a huge amount that we can be doing but there is some kind of important jobs uh, and I'll talk about those and then some, I suppose, jobs that everybody seems to be doing at the moment, but I won't do things like lifting dahlias, but I'll talk to you about that um, later on. And then at the end, I just want to, I suppose, talk to you about, like I've said it a few times, but episode 100, I've been having a quite a, trying to have quite a deep think about, I suppose, the podcast, the direction of the podcast and how the podcast has evolved over the 100 episodes and that has sort of led me to come up with some conclusions and things that I need to to do and change around the podcast and I want to talk to you about that and as well as again a change of idea for episode 100 and hoping for your help with that so yeah get into that towards the end anyway but uh, for for now, what I want to talk about is some of the jobs that we can be doing, and I'll tell you about some of the things that I'm actually doing myself. And I suppose on the vegetable side, there is a few really important jobs in my eyes that you can do at this time of the year. Onions and garlic, I think, are kind of a must for anybody who's grown vegetables because they're so easy. And I've said it before you should grow vegetables that you like yourself or that you use yourself. And there isn't too many people that don't have, I suppose, onions and garlic in their, in their, you know, their store cupboard or their, they're not buying it on a weekly basis. So they're very, very popular and really, really easy to grow. grow. So if you're starting off or if you're a long-term grower and you just want to get, get going to this, then onion sets and garlic are really, really simple. Now, for me, I typically do it. I do some onions from seed, um, but mostly I do them from onion sets and garlic cloves. And I have flipped from, uh, I suppose, autumn sowing to spring sowing over the last few years for various reasons. Typically because I don't, uh, I don't get to get the job done or I haven't had the time or whatever else at that period of time. And I have found every time that I've sowed in spring, the success is just not as good as if you sow in autumn. So by sowing in autumn, for me anyway, the the main benefit is that you get onions and garlic earlier. So you'll have them next June, pretty much. Whereas if you sow in the spring, you're looking at July, August, even into September. So you, you definitely get them a month to six weeks earlier by doing it in the autumn. But that's not the main reason for me. Um, for me, the main reason 
that I would sow and that I find that it's more successful to sow them in the autumn is that typically if I sow particularly garlic, but also some of the onions as well, if I sow in the springtime at some point in time, I'll end up with a good bit of bolting. Now you can pick out the heads and all the rest of it, but with the autumn stone stuff, regardless of what happens with the weather, unless you get a, a really, really long extended dry period, I generally get no bolting at all by sowing in the autumn. So for me, that's a better period. And I have this year got my onion sets, red and white, uh, two different types of white and garlic to plant now. Um, so definitely that's a really, really good job. And if you're starting off, you can get that, you can get that done now. Um, just planting, sticking the, the bulbs down into the ground or the ground down into the ground. And you're, going to cover it over a little bit so make sure that because that's going to particularly the garlic is going to be appealing looking to the likes of crows and blackbirds they won't actually eat it but they'll think it looks nice and they'll pull it up on you so just bury it down quite a nice bit down maybe an inch below the surface make sure that's covered um don't put garlic particularly in anywhere that's really really water laden or is going to be sitting in water so it needs to be a good airy uh, soil so one that has plenty of organic matter or added to it um or if you want to and you're starting from in in a raised bed or you're starting from scratch just cover it down now with a good quality compost and plant directly into that um and that that will give you good success there is when people are looking at garlics and you start researching it there is two types soft neck and hard neck i wouldn't get overly bogged down on that and if i'm honest the majority of the ones that you'll find out there are soft neck for the most part and they typically are easier to grow and they give you a lot of cloves and a standard size you know the basically your your full size bulb will be this will be what you'll see in a in a supermarket or whatever that kind of decent size the hard neck ones then are typically a lot bigger of a bulb uh, and you get less cloves within that they're some say they're a little harder to grow, but I don't find that they are, to be honest with you. I just think that the, the soft neck is the one that's mostly available. But don't get too bogged down and looking for one or the other, unless you're particularly, you know, you're at it for a while and you're seasoned and you're looking to get a specific variety that happens to be a hard neck or a soft neck or whatever. But don't get bogged down on that, because when you, when you start researching it, you'll see all this stuff about hard neck, soft neck. And really, to me, it doesn't make that much of a difference. Um, soft neck, as I say, is much more readily available is slightly easier to grow but that much and is typically you know the, the type of bulb that you'll see everywhere so that's a good one to go with and you can't really go wrong with it and you can't really go wrong with the onion sets so definitely uh, i would get those in over the month of november um again just any decent garden soil make sure it's not waterlogged because you remember these bulbs are just going to be kind of sitting there for the next couple of months so they don't want to be sitting in water so just make sure that you know it's a decent garden soil with plenty of organic matter in it and that it's not water laden other than that it should be perfect um another seed that i'm going to go back at this year is broad beans so this is a good month to sow them um i don't like broad beans or at least that's my perception but i haven't had them in years one years i know i know i would have had them a bit as a child and i never particularly liked them but I think it's maybe time to give it a try again and it is something that you can sow this month and you can be really successful with it um again you're just sowing directly into the ground at this time of the year 
and you should be able to harvest broad beans off that then next May time, um, maybe even a little bit earlier, depending on on your area. So there are two there are two good ones that you can be doing now. Um, on the seed, on the sort of seed sowing side for flowers, you can still sow your sweet peas. And it's actually a very good time to, to get them sowed because you can get them germinated and established. And then they'll kind of sit there over the winter, but then come into the early part of spring, they will burst into life and you will have flower much, much earlier. And they'll tend to be a little bit hardier as well because you have, I suppose, you've sort of grown them over that winter period. You can do that in, in a sort of a cold conservatory, you know, not, not a really warm conservatory. Or, you know, even in your porch or your windowsill, just remember to keep it slightly, not in the warmest place. If you have a polytunnel or, or glass house, you can do it there also. And there is a good few perennial seeds you can also sow at this time of the year. Now, it's a good time, really good time to sow them because you'll sow them. And even though, as I said last night, there was frost here, we have a really bright, sunny day. So that means that there's going to be nice temperatures in say compost for me in the polytunnel or even outside you'll get nice temperatures in a pot or in in a windowsill or wherever at this time of the year so you'll get germination so so there's lots of perennial seeds that you can sow this time of the year put a little grit on the top of it um sow your seed directly into the compost put a little grit on top of it and just leave it now germination at this time of the year can be quite sporadic so you might get some germinating you know quite quickly even within a certain variety you might get some of the seeds that comes up quickly and others that don't appear for maybe two or three weeks after and that's i suppose typical at this time of the year but what you will have coming into the spring then is you'll have quite established and strong plants so when that the nice warm spring weather comes they'll burst into life and you'll get ahead of the game and you'll be much more prepared ahead of the season the other jobs that I was going to make this into a kind of a jobs you do in November type job, but I don't like that because I think everywhere is so different. You know, the areas are so different. What you can do in one area might be totally irrelevant for this month in in a given in my area, for example. So it's it's very broad. You need to kind of understand the jobs that need to be done at this period of the year. And by period, I mean this kind of last quarter. And you just need to know and, and you'll figure out over time what jobs are applicable to you at what time. Um, as I say, there's some jobs that I see people doing. For example, dahlias. Um, loads of people lifting dahlias at the moment, cutting the tops off them and then digging out the tubers out of the ground. And typically what you do with this, so if you decide you want to do this, typically what you'll do is you'll cut the tops off put them into your compost heap or your compost bin. Then you'll dig up the tubers gently and you'll bring a nice bit of soil with them. You'll shake off the excess soil after you dig them and you'll put them somewhere to kind of dry out a little bit. And then once they're dried out, you will get the rest of the clay off them and you can put them then into sort of dry sand and, and store them like that or even in a, in a dark shaded area with once they're completely dry and you're not going to get any, you know, I suppose, mold build up on them, they'll they'll be fine and they'll store over winter. For me, it's what 
people recommend you do, but I actually won't be doing that because, to be honest with you, I just don't have the time to go digging up all the, the dahlias that, I, that I've sown. So I'm going to take my chances. And what I'm doing is I will cut the tops off them, but not yet. So they're, they're after getting a nice bit of a knockback over the last week with a couple of frosts. And I think last night's one particularly will finish off all that top growth. And in a couple of weeks time, then I will cut that off. I'll mulch quite heavily around on top of the, basically on top of the crown and on top of the where the tubers will be. And then I'll hope that that um, that that compost and that mulch will keep the tubers safe over the winter and keep the frost from doing any harm to them. In most cases, I think it will. If so long as they're not sitting in again, a bit like the the zone of the garlic, so long as they're not sitting in really cold, wet ground, I think they'll they'll come fine. The only just thing to watch is that when that new growth starts in the spring, and you don't need to think about it now, but you just need to be conscious of it ahead of the springtime. When that new growth starts coming up in the springtime, that will be really tender and really, really juicy and <laughs> new growth for slugs and snails and that's the time you really need to watch it so because the new growth tends to be quite lush and um, quite soft as i say slugs and snails will go mad for it so you'll have to just watch that and the other thing then is that new growth can be quite uh, susceptible to frost at that stage now for me here i hope what will happen is because the ground will qu- be quite cold and will remain quite cold um, that they won't actually do much until the, the frosts have more or less passed. But we'll have to just keep an eye on that. But as I say, I, I sowed, I don't know how many, maybe 40 or 50 dahlias of various types from seed. They were sowed on St. Patrick's Day last year and they were absolutely fantastic in terms of display of flowers from, I suppose, late July, early August, right through until pretty much until now and and the the heavy wind and rain over the last week knocked them over but they have been beautiful all that time so worst case scenario for me if they all didn't survive i would sow seeds again next spring i just that that process of lifting dahlias and everybody recommends you should do it so you need to sort of follow your own advice on that one but for me personally i'm not going lifting up mine i'm going to try and um get them through the winter, get them through that spring period on their own bat. And and I think that will happen. I know that locally here, my mom has some and they're never lifted and they, they come every year. The bed will be quite, will be quite a dry bed and where I have mine are, are generally quite dry as well. So I'm hopeful that they'll come through. And next month then in December, I'll, there is some other perennials here. They can be divided. So hostas, Rebecca's and and other perennials that I will basically lift, split, and then move to other areas of the garden. I'll show you how to do that. So if you have hostas in a pot or in your beds or Rebecca's or whatever, they can be so easily divided up, giving you new color, new plants in other areas of the garden. And I'll show you how to do that uh, nearer the time. The other jobs, I suppose, um, for me here, I have 
the compost bin's pretty much, well, more or less finished now. I'm still putting the last few bits and pieces into the last one, but two of them are completely closed off now. And if you have open compost bins, just get something over them, sheet of plastic or sheet of metal, um, anything at all that will stop the heavy rain getting into them. So over the next few months, we're typically going to get a lot more rain. And what happens is if it keeps raining in on your in on your compost heap, well, two things happen, I suppose. Number one, the actual compost gets too wet and it gets too cold, but it also takes out the, the any air that's in it. So as the, the rain keeps belting down on top of it, it takes out any air and you need kind of air through your compost bin. So I've covered off mine and that's something you should do. If you have a, a, an enclosed compost bin, then you don't need to worry about it that, that at all. Then leaves on your lawns. If you've heavy leaves from uh, overhanging trees or whatever on your lawn, just rake those up and put them, you know, into a, a black plastic bag with a few holes in it or into a, you can make a net um, or a mesh circle and just fill it in and make leaf mold. Now, leaf mold will take quite a bit of time. You wouldn't be using it probably for at least 12 months, but it's really good if you have those there. But the reason I'm saying take them off the lawn is that if they keep sitting on the lawn, they will sort of smother out the ground on the top and you tend to get moss wherever you have leaves uh, lying on it over the winter period. Easiest thing to do, even if you get a reasonably dry day, is put your lawnmower up to the highest setting, drive drive over the the leaves and it'll mulch them and pick them up. Then you can either add them to your compost heap or, as I say, if you're raking them up whole, then you can add them, add them to a pile on their own and create leaf mold out of them. That stuff will be perfect then for mulching your beds, adding organic bat- matter to your beds over the over the last over the the next year or so. Speaking of organic matter, I've said it before that I'm have been doing no dig here, basically on on vegetable beds and on flower beds over the last, particularly over the last twelve months. Uh, something I've noticed last weekend, I had a small few perennial plugs that I had uh, left and I was just planting them out and they're well hardened off so not worried about the frost and there was one bed that was at a corner beside where there had been excavation works and it was really poor soil so when I started planting it in the springtime it's um, a heavy yellow sort of marley clay and quite quite a bit of stone in it really sort of harsh and barren sort of a, uh, of a of a corner now that's not the whole site but it's just where that was because there was heavy excavation works just beside it and on that bed i've planted in perennials at the front i had originally the way i did it was i all the cuttings off the lawn went down onto it every about every month i put maybe three inches of grass cuttings down on top of it did that for probably two to three months and then planted the perennials into it and kept then, even after the perennials were planted, kept every month or so adding another new layer of grass. So it has got maybe five or six sort of layers of grass over over the year and they're rotting down and 
the soil is is getting going, the air, earthworms are getting going. And last weekend when I was digging, and this is the first time I've noticed because the, the soil is really poor. Like when you're digging it, it's yellow. Um, it's a sort of a marley type clay in it. But when I was digging the other day, the top three or four inches were really loose, that really black, earthy kind of good topsoil look on it. And it was covered like there was loads every every spade that i that i dug every spadeful that i dug was full of earthworms so it just goes to show that any soil can really be amended and can be improved by the addition of organic matter and i know we've talked about that previously but if you have areas of your garden that are poor that's a really good way and you can do that as simply as just adding your grass cuttings to it the fact that that I see earthworms in it now, the fact that it's it's black and loose on the top as opposed to that yellow marley clay. Now, that yellow marl is still there. It's just down a bit further. But there's no water holding in it. It's, as I say, active with earthworms. It has that black, sort of nutritious-looking soil, so it's really good. So if you do have areas of your garden that are poor, just keep doing that. And even over the winter time, just keep bedding it down with... Um, you know, any sort of organic matter, whether that's farmyard manure, good quality compost, leaf mold, anything like that, that will feed the soil. Because when that soil starts to starts to get going, starts to get working, you're you're creating an environment that will pretty much grow any plant from previous. If you're talking about having a bad soil or bad bad area, even even sandy ground can be amended and can be improved by adding organic matter. So I suppose for me, that just reinforced it last weekend at how quickly you could amend a really crappy soil, to be honest with you. So it gives hope to anybody who has areas or has a complete garden that's quite poor. It's really, it really is possible to amend it to a quality that can grow pretty much anything in it. So that's, that was heartening to see. Um, what else am I doing at the moment? Oh yeah, I'm taking out, I was, and I've spoke about it before on the podcast as well. I was considering a robotic mower, uh, but I still need the grass coatings for what, um, you know, th- that mulching down and that covering areas that I, that I have spoken about earlier. So the robotic mower wouldn't give me that. So I thought that mightn't be the best way, way to go, but I really don't want to be spending the, the length of time that needs to be spent cutting the lawn either. So what I am doing is adding to the front lawn, I'm adding uh, yellow rattleseed this month. Basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to outline the shape of this wildflower area that I want to create. And it's going to be quite big, about about 250 square meters or thereabouts uh, with two paths through it. I'm going to cut it as low as I can possibly cut it with the lawnmower at that stage and scratch up the soil a bit. I'm going to plant in, I have about 400 bluebells, some snowdrops and other naturalizing bulbs, but particularly really low growing stuff like that. They're all getting planted into it keeping them back a little bit from the edge. I might might keep them back, say, a metre, a metre and a half from the edge of where this wildflower area is going to be. They will spread out, but I want to 
sort of centered into the into the middle and then putting yellow rattle on top of it and i will also add in in the springtime some other maybe stronger maybe oxide daisy or something like that there is clover there is buttercup there is lots of stuff in it already so they will come to the fore next next spring hoping the yellow rattle will re because it is pretty much pure lawn now so i'm hoping that the yellow rattle will be aggressive over the next sort of two to three years and really reduce the lawn in that area the grass in that area and then allow the other stuff to come to the fore because it's on the front lawn and it might look a little bit how would you say it it's going to look a little bit it won't be this will look area will look brilliant in four years time but for the first year or two it might look just like unkept grass with a little bit of flower in it so to sort of make it look a little bit prettier during that time, I'm going to do a meter strip right around the outside of annual floral meadow. So that'll be a mix with maybe 20 or 30 different flowers in it. But because it'll be like a meter strip on the outside, as you look at it to the eye, you will predominantly see that and you won't necessarily notice that the inside is a work under construction, so to speak. So it'll look quite well from a distance it'll look quite well as you walk through it um but your eye will be drawn away from maybe the the less pretty middle part for at the very start until it starts to do its own thing in as i said three to four years and at that stage it'll be beautiful in its own right and it probably won't need the the floral meadow around the outside and at that stage the floral meadow will have sort of faded itself out and probably won't get re-sown and it'll allow the, the the middle part then to i suppose come to the fore so that's uh, another job that i'm doing this month and uh, yeah i think that that's that's kind of all that i'll be doing here other jobs that you can be doing at home i suppose planning for next spring if you do have any vegetable areas that you have taken out all the veg or you're harvesting the last bit of veg out of it now don't leave that ground bare so mulch it down or put a cover crop on it you it's getting a little bit late for sowing cover crops but you but you still could um so green manure green manure basically will seed really quickly and then in the springtime you'll just basically mulch um, strim it off or mow it off and you'll plant straight into it so you're not leaving bare ground over winter but if you're not going sowing anything onto it, just cover down with mulch, cover down with farmyard, well-rotted farmyard manure, and don't leave bare soil over the winter. It'll make your job a lot, lot easier for come next spring. Um, other things then, obviously bare root season, we spoke about last week on the hedging, that's coming up, so bare root for hedging. But also you can get very, very good um, value and quality on things like roses, uh ornamental trees all of that will start to become available as bare root over the next few weeks and then you know the frost basically that won't happen until the frost has completely turned the trees dormant and the the plants dormant but once we start getting frost as we've done this week and and last night that will come around quite quickly so over the next few weeks um you can be you can be making inquiries about that the other thing that's really worth checking out at this time of the year is creating your orchard or your fruit garden so bare root 
apple trees, plum trees, pear trees, damson trees, all of those are going to be available over the coming weeks. And as I say, it's the perfect time to plant them. And it's another job that you'll have done. So rather than wait until next spring where maybe availability mightn't be great or certain varieties mightn't be a great, uh, now is the time to look at it. Um, fruit bushes as well, all available at this time of the year. So your all your currants, all of your gooseberries, you know, anything like that that you're planning on growing this month is a really good time to do it. And you plant it wherever you want, whatever location you're putting it in. And again, mulch down around it after you plant it. And literally, you won't have to do a thing with that until next spring. And with most of those all going well, you'll have some form of a fruit crop on them next year. But now is the time to be planning that. Rhubarb as well, you can... If you already have your rhubarb stools, they can be lifted and split. And again, it's um, you know it's a really simple thing to do. It's it's effectively cutting it in half with a spade, allowing you to move it to another area. Or if you haven't got rhubarb and you want to get started with it, now is the time as well. So you'll buy over the next month. You'll buy your your crowns, plant them in the ground, and now you can't harvest rhubarb. Well, you can, but you're only doing it harm. So. Effectively, you're supposed to you're supposed to plant your rhubarb and don't harvest it for the first year. So you'll see all this lovely rhubarb on it next spring, but you won't, or next summer, but you won't you won't pull them. You leave them, allow them to die back, allow the energy to go back into plants, allow the roots to establish, and then the following year you'll be able to start harvesting. And particularly from year three onwards, you'll get full full crops off it. But that is yeah, that's another job for November. So there's lots, lots to be doing. As I say, energy levels drop a little bit in October when the clocks go back and the evenings are dark and it's a bit colder and it's, you know, not, not as nice to be out gardening, but there is still lots to be doing and lots of things that would benefit you next spring, particularly. So if you're able to get ahead of the game, it's, it's a good time to do it. I suppose don't, don't uh, take for granted that what everyone else is doing is what you have to do or what works, what will is the only thing that works. For example, the dahlias, what I'm trying may not work. I, th- I think it will, but it may not work. But I just definitely do not have the time to go digging up 50 tubers, minding them over the next couple of months, making sure that they don't have rot or anything like that. So I am just leaving them where they are, giving them the best possible chance by mulching them down. But I suppose the point is just because everybody is doing it doesn't necessarily mean it's always what you have to do. Just figure out what works for you in your garden. Um, as I said, episode 100, 100 is coming up and I did want to, I was, I know I've talked about it a little bit, but I was talking about getting a kind of a high profile um, person on for episode 100. And I have still a few options there on that. Um, but I've actually decided that I'm not going to go that route, I think. Um, I've been having... I suppose I've been thinking quite a bit about the podcast and the podcast was started specifically to help people in their own gardens and it was to demystify, you know, and simplify the the little jobs that people can do, like like what we did last week with hedging. So make it simple. Um, people sometimes just don't know where to start and the idea was to give simple information that would help them in their own gardens so whatever the task was whether that's vegetable growing growing hedges creating a pond whatever it is 
And I suppose at times over over the last hundred episodes, I've gone away from that a little bit. I still always tried to have something that the listener could take away, but I was doing probably more guest interviews than I intended at the start of this. And guest interviews are brilliant because you're bringing in somebody with expertise in a certain area and they're talking about that. But maybe I needed to bring it back a little bit and I feel I need to bring it back a little bit to you, the listeners, and what it is that you guys want specifically answered. And that's what I'd like to do more with the podcast over time. I will still do guest interviews. I think they're they're a very, very important part of what Master My Garden will be is that, you know, that information sharing through experts and so on. But I also think that the core of what, what I'm doing here is to help you in your own garden, whether you're an amateur or whether you're, you know, a relatively experienced gardener. I want that. I want the episodes to specifically help you on that. So with that in mind, for episode 100, what I want to do is I want to basically have little mini conversations with you guys, the listeners. So if you're a listener who has been listening to the podcast, whether it's only some, whether you're only somebody who has recently found the podcast or whether you're somebody who has been listening from the very start, I would love to hear from you. If you could send me an email to info at mastermygarden.com. I forgot loads of messages, you know, over the last couple of years about, you know, different people given their scenarios. So they're a country garden on X amount of size and they do this and that with their, with their family in the garden and tell me about how the podcast has helped them. And I'd love to hear those stories. So what I'd like to do maybe is if you could just get in touch if I already know you, great. Just And if I don't know you, just tell me who you are, a little bit about your garden and how the garden has helped you. And then maybe we can have a conversation, like a five-minute phone conversation that I'll record and I'm going to use that as part of episode 100. So there will be, you know, it'll be showing and telling you guys how it has helped various people. It'll be me thanking you guys for that as well, uh, for, for listening. And that's what I want it to be rather than, as I say, a high prof- profile interview with somebody else. I want it to be about you guys, about the listeners and how the core of the podcast or the core, the idea of helping you in your own garden, how that is coming through. So whether it's somebody who's starting from scratch or somebody who has been doing a little bit and who has got benefit from it, I'd love, love to hear from you. And I'd love to feature you on on episode 100. There will also be a very nice giveaway for episode 100. I won't reveal the details yet, but there will be a very nice giveaway for episode 100. Um, More details on that to follow. Um, But that's what it's going to be. It's going to be all about you guys, the listeners, and how the podcast helps you in your own garden. As I say, I hear stories about... I listen every Saturday morning when I'm out in the potting shed or I listen every Saturday when I'm mowing the lawn and it has helped me to do X, Y or Z in the garden. And that is what it's supposed to be about. As I say, I maybe feel a little bit that I've kind of drifted away from that unintentionally. And I want to really highlight that for episode 100. 
So please do get in touch. It's info at mastermygarden.com. Doesn't matter whether you're gardening on a tiny little garden and or your garden on a five acre garden. That doesn't really matter to me. What's important is that the podcast, the information have helped you in some way. And I'd love to hear your story. So please do. As I say, one more time, info at mastermygarden.com. That's that's where you can send me the contact. And hopefully then over the next couple of weeks, we can have a quick chat and we can feature it on the podcast. The other thing going forward, it won't be before episode 100, but the other thing going forward is that I would like to do an episode and that answers gardening questions. Um, that's something I would like to do for you guys. So again, shoot me an email if there's anything you'd like answered or anything you'd like covered. Um, so that's been this week's episode. It's, um, yeah, that's really important to me that, that last bit that we talked about. That's really important to me. So if you could, if you could, as I say, get in touch and let me know how the podcast has maybe helped you. Um, if you want to remain anonymous, that's fine. No problem with that. If you want to come on and have a chat, I would love that. If there's people from outside of Ireland who would like to come on and have a quick chat, that would be super as well. And uh, yeah, I think uh, that is th- the way I want to go with, with the episode 100 and how the podcast will will move forward even past that. You know, I want it to be all about you guys, the listeners, and helping you guys. So that's been this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And until the next time, happy gardening.